Good morning, everyone. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. That statement has been borrowed from the words of the psalm. When the psalm is said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is indeed uh, wonderful to be with God's people, worshiping Him in songs and uh, are ready to hear His word as we gather. Today, we are going to look at the third chapter of Nehemiah. But before going to that, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we need you to be with us, to grant us wisdom, to open our understanding that we might be able to get your message today the way you want it received by your people. May we have the joy, O oh God, of listening to you and receiving your message. And it is our prayer that your church as a whole and ourselves as individual believers would truly respond and do as you said, as you command. This is our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 3 records the actual rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem with emphasis on the ten gates and that separated each section. And what is more remarkable is the list of more than 40 groups of people and names of individuals uh, who worked hard to accomplish the task or the project. In the first chapter, we learned that Nehemiah heard the disturbing news that the walls and gates of Jerusalem were destroyed in total ruin. And this report became Nehemiah's burden. And then he prayed. That was the key. He prayed. It was not a simple prayer. He cried to God. And then in chapter 2, Nehemiah asked the king, Artaxerxes, for permission to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the city's walls. With the king's blessing, Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem. And then he had a thorough inspection of the city of Jerusalem. And then he prayed. He prayed more, harder. And then he was able to convey his burden to the people. He shared and conveyed his vision to the citizens of Jerusalem. And the people shared Nehemiah's burden. They were able to feel how Nehemiah felt at that particular moment. And they were ready to be part of the work because they wanted to share his vision. And so the people came together and pulled it off. Now, to be able to get a full view of what is going, going on in Jerusalem, I'd like us to listen to the passage today. This is quite a long passage, 
but you'll find it interesting. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priest went to work and they built the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The first gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hazenah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Mermoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Mezezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joyada, son of Pasea, and Meshalom, son of Besodea. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men of Gibeon and Mizpah. Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon, a Meronoth, places under the authority of the governor of trans Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs. Next to that, they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jedaiah, son of Hermaph, made repairs opposite his house, and Hathos, son of Hashabneiah, made repairs next to him. Melchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pehath Moab, repaired another section in the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Haluhes, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanon and the residents of Zanoa. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Melchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakanem. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. The Fountain Gate was repaired by Shalon, son of Kol Jose, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over, and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam, by the king's garden, as far as the steps, going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of a half-district of Beth-Zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him... The repairs were made by the Levites under Rehom, son of Banai. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of half-district of Kaila, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen under Binuai, son of Henadad, ruler of the half-district of Kaila. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, 
prepared another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zebai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Mermoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. Repairs next to him were made by priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house, and next to them, Azariah, son of Maaseiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beyond his house or beside his house. Next to him, Binuai, son of Henadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uzai, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pedaiah, son of Peros. And the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to, the opposite, to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tukewa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Amor, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Jimaiah, son of Shekaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanon, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, Mishalom, son of Berachiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Milkaijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner. In our last verse, and between the room above the corner and the ship gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. That was a fantastic passage. It is very, very interesting. Now, let us look at the layout of the walls to have a, a, a picture, a clear picture of what really had gone in the city of Jerusalem during the time of Nehemiah. There are ten gates. And beginning from the top is the sheep gate. And then the record tells us, or Nehemiah chapter 3 tells us, uh, that the movement indicate a, a, a counterclockwise as far as the record. But I believe the people uh, began the work at the same time. But as far as the record, it went counterclockwise. So it started from the ship gate in verse 1, and then going to the rest of the gates, and then each section in between the gates, and then going back to the ship gate. I will not discuss the implications of each gate. There is a meaning for each of them, and uh, some implications, but that is not my focus today, uh, because it will take us six hours, or even more than six hours to do that, to study that. But there are other important points that I want to see from this chapter 
I want us to see important matters. In the sense, what can we take out of this particular chapter in Nehemiah? Looking at this passage, one very important aspect that we can see is that the whole process is a team effort. It is a team effort. The population was divided into small groups or teams. And each team was assigned into a specific section. We have read the passage. It's not easy to grasp everything and to catch everything that's in there. But the whole picture indicates that each team or each individual named in this particular passage has been assigned to do a work in a certain section of the wall. Not only the sections of the wall, but working hardly and carefully to repair the gates. And of all the people mentioned in this chapter, the high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests were on the top. They pitched in and they helped in the work. And everybody followed. Jerusalem is a large city. And if the walls and gates were going to be rebuilt and repaired, then all citizens would have to do their part. I would like to hear an amen to that. If the gates are to, re to be repaired and the walls are to be rebuilt, then all citizens should do their part. Let us, let us see what happened here. It was really evident, and we can see there is a combined effort exercised in here to achieve one goal. They only have one goal in mind. That is to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem with the glory of God in their heart or in their minds. That was the motivating factor. In fact, when, when Nehemiah conveyed his burden and his, his vision to them, he was holding on to the promises of God. He was holding on to uh, the very presence of God. He really upheld the glory of God. This is for the glory of God and for the sake of the name of God. So they said, so what are we waiting for? Let's move. Let us combine our effort together with one thing in mind. For the glory of God and for the sake of His name, let us rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. And then another thing that I have found and we can see in here is the work was voluntary. I really praise the Lord that Nehemiah chapter 3 uh, did not tell us that someone got paid in the work. Nobody got paid in the work. Those who participated in the rebuilding of the wall had worked in a voluntary manner. Nehemiah did not force any one of them to do the work. This is really admirable. And what is more important is that it was not recorded and nowhere in the scripture that any one of them expected a reward for their effort. This is something to be grasped. This is something to think about. 
This is honorable. This is a noble thing. This is really admirable. God honors these kinds of hearts and attitudes of His workers in the field. If He blesses, He blesses. He gives. He provides. People in this particular passage trusted God and trusted the words that they received from the mouth of Nehemiah. You know, one of the best quotes that I have ever heard, and I really love this quote, is the one that General James Doolittle said. And I quote, There is nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. Familiar? Uh, Doolittle was famous for leading the Tokyo Raid. This is history. America's first strike against Japan in World War II. Uh, you see, he was a, a, a colonel, but then he was uh, promoted to become a general. And then before he died, he was a four-star general and commander of the 8th, the 12th, and the 15th Air Forces of America. You see, from the mouth of this great man in history, we hear this. There's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. Something for believers to think about. Because volunteers would put their, their full effort and their heart towards the work. Because they just love to do the work. And then another thing that we have to understand in this passage is this. Nearly everyone was dedicated to the task. The majority, the vast majority of the population was not skilled workers. Most of them were ordinary citizens. One example of them is Hananiah. And we remember that he was one of the perfume makers. Nehemiah 3 verse 8. Oziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. What can a perfume maker has to offer for the rebuilding of the wall? But he did. He participated. Another example are the daughters of Shalom. In verse 12, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. We are not told how many were his daughters or how old they were. We are just plainly informed that the leader, one of the rulers of the district of Jerusalem, of course, a ruler has many things to offer. He's got the voice, he's got the command, he's got the muscles. But what about the daughters? Some of them are officials of the city, and some are engaged in some kinds of businesses. Almost every one of them has something to offer. Why did I say that? That almost all of them. Why did I say that nearly all citizens was dedicated, dedicated to the task? Because you see, in verse 5, there is a group of people whose leaders did not want 
their hands to get dirty. In verse 5 says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. They were lazy people. <laughs> they didn't want their hands to get dirty. Or perhaps they have some issues with their supervisors. Or perhaps with Nehemiah, I'm guessing. But that is not found in this passage. But the thing is, they did not want to participate in the work. And so, these men were the only ones who did not support the building project. But that did not matter at all. And as far as the passage is concerned, the issue about the lazy Tikoan leaders, I just assumed they were lazy, was completely insignificant. This issue was completely insignificant. In fact, it didn't affect the construction even a bit. In the preceding chapters, we will see that the walls were completed, half completed actually, in few days, in just more than a month. Perhaps Nehemiah and the citizens, the rest of the citizens of, of Jerusalem just uh, ignored the leaders of or the nobles of Tekoa. They just ignored them. There was no amount of encouragement that would move them to participate. There was no amount of, uh, they were not thinking of paying them. <laughs> it was not recorded here. But there was no amount of encouraging words and uh, pushing them to move them to participate in the work. And then another thing that we can see in here, the whole process has become a family concern. The whole process was not only a team effort, but to a smaller degree, to the smallest unit of society, as we call it. It has become a family effort. Remember Shalom? This is only one of the examples, and I say it again in verse 12. Shalom, son of Halohes, ruler of half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. It is a family affair. And then another example is in verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. What do we see in here? Each priest also repaired the wall in front of his own house in addition to other sections. Now, if each person was responsible for the part or section closest to his own home, it means a lot. First, he would be more dedicated to the work because it is part of where his home is erected or located. Secondly, it would mean protection for his own family. And then, he would make the work a family effort. Remember, this man encouraged the members of his family. Perhaps he was saying, or simply saying, well, I was not told, we were not told by Nehemiah, but I want, to, I want you, members of my family, to have a sense of ownership of the city. 
And since our city is large and we are vulnerable to attacks by the enemy, and we are here, right here, inside the city, we are at risk if we will not move. That is not to put uh, guilt in the mind and in the heart of the family members. But they've got the point. The name of God is at stake here. The glory of God is at stake. That was the point. And so, the whole family would exert their efforts together. They combined their offer together and then did what they could do to repair the walls near their homes. First, of course, they will be protected and they've got the joy of doing that as a family. My dear friends, I see some parallels between this story and AIC. Parallels. In the say, when we look around, we can sense that there's a lot to do in the church. There are projects and ministries that we are aware of, which require uh, a team effort to be able to accomplish them. Team effort. In, a, in, a, in other words, the work of the church requires every member's effort in order for the body to function effectively. The work could not be done by a single individual, not by the pastor alone. The pastor is not a one-man band. He needs the team. In the sense, we are a body and we are a huge team. But thank God for His wisdom that our leaders are able to identify who could be in one small group and one team and another team and move these teams together to be able to function as a church effectively and do the job. We have projects. We have ministries in the church. The attitude and the lives of the workers in this passage are clear example of how each one of us should look at the work of the Lord in its, in its entirety. You see, we are a body, and each one is gifted by God to do the work of ministry. He has given a gift to the church for the equipping of the saints. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, we are told that we are one body and each one needs one another. And the gifts that is given to us should be used towards the edification of the body, the strengthening of the church, not to destroy a single part or member or portion of the church, but to build the church for the glory of God. It is great to ask ourselves the question, what can I offer to help in the ministry of the Lord? This is a very personal question that we can only say to the Lord. Hoping and expecting that the Lord will open doors of opportunities for each one of us so that we will also feel the joy or have the sense of, of, of the presence of the Lord giving us joy participating or having participated in the ministry of the Lord. Or perhaps you are 
asking the Lord right now or some people in the church, do I have a place to serve God? My friends, there is a place for you in God's Word. Even if you are different from the most other people, God uses each Christian in a unique way to accomplish His purposes. Amen to that. There is a place for you. When we look at our AIC, there are ministry opportunities our, that the whole congregation is split or divided into small groups or teams. We have the leadership team that comprises the pastoral staff under shepherds, the governing committee. And a few among the congregation were given and will continue to be given the opportunity to serve in this capacity. There is the missions ministry team that comprises the outreach, the discipleship, the foreign ministry missions, and then the evangelistic missions. Just last night, uh, the team that went to Haiku to help a group of people in that part of China to, to conduct the summer class or summer camp among the children and adults just arrived last night. And we received, and we will continue to hear from them, we received good news and good reports. That is one way to participate in the ministry of the Lord. We have the worship ministry. And it is always admirable and a noble thing to see and hear some people coming to me and coming to some of us and say, uh, I want to play guitar, I want to sing in the choir, I want to sing. Actually, the worship ministry would comprise the, the choir, the worship band, the audiovisual, the dance ministry, and the, the art and music ministry. A lot of opportunities. We have the children ministry. And uh, what is ongoing right now in, in room 213 and 214 is our children VBS. You might want to go visit after the service. And offer a prayer, offer a, a snack, a food, a biscuit, cookie, whatever. That's one way to participate. To join in the ministry of the Lord. We have the youth ministry. We have men's ministry. The ushering ministry team. The greeters, the ushers. And specialized ministry. The Filipino and ethnic ministry. There's a lot. And one thing more. And I think this is one of the most important uh, teams or ministries that we could participate in, the prayer ministry. We have prayer meetings during Wednesday evening. I believe God honors individual prayers of His children, and He also honors corporate prayers. And so much more. Friends, brothers and sisters, the body needs you. Let us find a place to serve God and start contributing whatever time you have, whatever talent and money that has been given to you and that is needed in the ministry. We can pull them off, pull them out of our pocket, pull them out of our being, our strength, and give them. Be willing to get your hands dirty. Maybe... You are not sure what gift you have. Let us dig deeper into the Word of God. And 
discover the giftings that God is calling you to do with your life. Maybe you don't think you have anything to offer. Now, remember Hananiah, a perfume maker. And not only Hananiah, the daughters of one of the leaders of Jerusalem. You see, uh, this perfume maker by trade, he was a perfume maker by trade, yet he was still willing to get in there, get his hands dirty, and help to do his part by repairing a certain section of the wall. Now, if a perfume maker can build a wall, then also can help in some way in the ministry of the Lord, can we that do that? If the daughters of this certain leader of Jerusalem can help in the rebuilding of the wall, can we not do that? Of course, we can. And we have a lot in this church to go to look at. We will inquire. We'll ask the Lord and then move ourselves. Haven't you noticed that this chapter records names of people who worked in the rebuilding of the wall? It is so amazing that Nehemiah recorded names. The chapter doesn't just say there were thousands and hundreds and thousands of people within the city of Jerusalem who made repairs to the wall. No, it did not tell that. It did not say that. It specifically names each person that made repairs and that has been recorded. What does it tell us? The Lord remembers you. The Lord remembers me. He even remembered the lazy novels of the Koa. I don't know what you are thinking right now. But the Lord remembers his children. Whatever we do, whatever we think, whatever we plan in our hearts, he knows and remembers. Our lives and actions are recorded by the Lord for our reward in the future. For rewards and reprimand as the scripture reveals to us. He records our actions, our work as his children for the purpose of rewards and reprimands during his judgment time. Recompense, as you call it, and then reprimands. But here is one encouragement from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My dear friends, whatever... Uh, ministry you are involved in right now. Uh, there is no guarantee that everything will be a bed of roses. <laughs> that everything will be fine. Everything will be well. There will be challenges. People will come to you and criticize you. People within the congregation. But the thing is, God wants us to look at these passages and these encouragements as part of our own uh, feeding today. Do not apply this truth with other people. Apply this to yourself so that when you are challenged, when your composure, when, when you are, your, your stability is being challenged and you feel like fainting, remember, this is not for your own glory. This is for the glory of the Lord, but this is for your own benefit. You will be strengthened. You will be encouraged. You will become more loving, more understanding and more humble 
in front of your fellow believers, members of the church, and above all, in front of our God. There are times that uh, our, our stability is weakened because of challenges. But God wants us to have that rock-solid stability. That is always possible. God has made everything available, every help available for us to live godly lives, even fruitful lives. He wants us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that is the desire of the Lord. And we cannot do that by our own selves. He is the head of the church, and He wants His church to look at Him for wisdom, for strength, and for everything, every need that we help, that every help that we need to fulfill the task that He has for us. To put it, our labor is not in vain, even if no one else sees it. God sees what we do. So, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in your work for the Lord, knowing that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. That is a great assurance and strength for each one of us. He is an all-knowing God. He even knows what we are thinking right now. Before we say a word, He knows them already. That gives us the thought that before we say a word, we should go to Him and say, Lord, will this strengthen my brother? Will this glorify you? Will this help each one to be encouraged to do the work? You see, the tendency of those ones who are involved in the ministry, and that's also my tendency, my, my weakness sometimes, is that when I do the work alone, and I see people watching me do the work, what do you think? How I feel? But I am a very soft-spoken person, and it's not my style to say to those ones who are watching, come help me. <laughs> Be willing to sweat it out. I'm not that kind, I do not have that kind of style. My heart is praying that when each one or any one of us is doing a job, the Lord would move also uh, others and say, I am a part of this church. I have the sense of ownership of this church. I am a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why won't I participate in the ministry? Amen? One example, yesterday I was so delighted to see a small girl, Lilai, help me lay out all the, the cables here. I, I, was, I was observing the little Lilai, uh, Lisa's daughter, when I, I was plugging all the, the cables from this sound system to those uh, outlets there. She came to me together with one lady, and she asked, Pastor, how can I help you? You know what? My heart melted. Then so I, I handed her a cable and said, uh, carry that uh, and, and follow me wherever I go. Just follow me. Then I walk through here. And then uh, the moment we reach this part, I asked her to hand me the cable and she did. Something like that. When the daughters of these leaders 
one particular leader in Jerusalem can do a part in the rebuilding of the wall, and this little girl can do a part in laying, uh, in, in cabling, the cabling of the sound system. We can do something. Amen? We can do something. And the Lord is not unjust. He will not forget your work. That is an encouragement for us today. I do not know where we are at when it comes to our walk with the Lord. I have my personal uh, spiritual evaluation when it comes to my relationship and walk with the Lord. But I don't know you. But I am now giving each one the opportunity to speak to the Lord in a silent moment in the, in the next uh, few minutes of silence and, and ask the Lord, Lord, how is my walk with you? Reveal to me anything that's any area in my life that needs to be repaired on the first place. I would like to give you a couple of minutes of silence and do that with the Lord. Our holy God, hear the prayers of your people. You see their heart. You see our minds and our thoughts. What we plan to do, what we plan to say, and what we are thinking right now. Lord, help us to have your glory in mind whenever we do a thing or work or a ministry in the church. This is all for you because we love you. You have called us to be part of this body, and that is a great privilege. And so we give you praise and we give you honor for considering us or for inviting us and making us part of your great ministry, the building of your kingdom, having your glory in mind as our sole motivation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May I request everyone to please stand as we sing our closing song. Let's sing, They'll Know We Are Christians. <laughs>